Welcome to Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about the Mi'kmaq people and the Halibut First Nation. I'm Glenn Wheeler at the Captain Cook National Historic Site in Cornerbrook. This is the age of statues and the toppling of statues, either pro-slavery historical figures in the southern United States or General Cornwallis, who issued a bounty for the scalps of Mi'kmaq people in what is now known as Nova Scotia. I'm standing in front of the statue of Captain James Cook. It's a beautiful sunny day and I'm looking out the Bay of Islands or Elmstuqueg the waters that Captain Cook charted here 200 years ago. He is rendered in the statue and in historical accounts as a heroic, brave, almost superhuman figure. And it's hard to deny his accomplishments. His charts were being used 200 years after he visited here in 1767. But let's put him in historical context. His mission was colonization. His map-making was to aid the British Empire in the acquisition of these lands acquisition from the French and from the Mi'kmaq and Beatuk peoples. Is it time to topple Captain James Cook from his pedestal too? Sir Edward Hall, First Lord of the Admiralty. Cook. Is that your name? James Cook. Yes, sir. Somewhere more private, I think. James Cook, surveyor, and ship's master of the Grenville. Yes, sir. Navigated the St. Lawrence River for General Wolfe. And last year, mapped the coast of Newfoundland. This week, we're going back in time, back to 1767, and ahead to later this month to what have become yearly demonstrations on January 26th, Australia Day. There, James Cook has a divisive name, and a plaque in Hyde Park in Sydney, a frequent target of political graffiti. More about that later. It was 250 years ago that Captain James Cook visited the Bay of Islands and mapped the area. His name adorns a brook, restaurant, B&B, hockey tournament, and of course the only national historic site in the city of Cornerbrook. After all, who could not admire James Cook, whose maps of the Bay of Islands were so precise They were being used 200 years later. He was an outsider to the British officer class, the son of a migrant farm worker, and he had little in the way of formal schooling. But he became a key figure in British efforts to colonize other parts of the world. As well as his trips to Newfoundland, he made three voyages to the Pacific Ocean. He made the first European contact with the eastern coastline of Australia, circumnavigated what is now known as New Zealand, and reached the Hawaiian Islands, where he was killed by indigenous people when he got into a dispute with them and tried to kidnap their king. What sort of man is he? A plain man, is James Cook. Yet complex, self-taught in astronomy and the sciences, a man long neglected by lowly birth. When will the choice be made? No, it must be soon. It's for his Pacific voyages that he's better known, and the five summers of Newfoundland are often passed over as a mere footnote. But the Newfoundland voyages allow Cook to perfect his approach to cartography. Working out exact longitude had been a problem for cartographers. Cook got over this hurdle by using the lunar distance method. 
Measuring the angular distance from the moon to either the sun during daytime or one of eight bright stars during nighttime. Historians also note that Cook made use of knowledge of people who knew the area. In the case of the Bay of Islands, this might be Mi'kmaq people, but it could also have been French fishers. We know little about any contact between Cook and Mi'kmaq people, though we know there was some. In May 1767, he met a group of Mi'kmaq people on Bay St. George. And then he was gone from Newfoundland, on to voyages for which he would be better known. Three years after he left York Harbour on the Bay of Islands, he rounded the east coast of the continent we now know as Australia, claiming it for Britain and renaming it New South Wales. A statue in Hyde Park in Sydney, not unlike the one at the National Historic Site in Cornerbrook, honors James Cook. But unlike the one here, the one in Sydney has these words, discovered this territory 1770. Not surprisingly, these words caused great offense among Australians, in particular indigenous Australians, who lived on that land millennia before Cook arrived. Protests are expected later this week on Australia Day, which many people have renamed Invasion Day. And no doubt authorities will be keeping a close eye on the Cook statue. Here is a news item from last summer about protests in Australia sparked by news from the southern United States about efforts to get rid of Confederate monuments there. This statue of Captain James Cook has stood in Hyde Park in Sydney for 138 years. It memorialises one of the greatest navigators ever to sail for the Royal Navy, but it's also upset Indigenous broadcaster Stan Grant, who believes the inscription reading, the man who discovered this territory, should be changed to reflect the fact that this land was inhabited for 65,000 years previously by the first Australians. One historian we spoke with said Stan Grant's issue with the inscription is misplaced because Captain Cook did in fact discover this territory, the territory defined as the east coast of Australia. In fact, he mapped more of it than anyone who had come before him. The point that Stan Grant is making is a democratic one. It's a, it's a one about how do we uh, have an inclusive and uh, significant conversation that uh, incorporates Indigenous Australians into the history of this country. The wider issue here is a revision of history to be more inclusive, as Stan Grant puts it. He wants a similar debate here to the one they're having in the United States, where the so-called monuments of hate are being torn down. And, of course, we saw the violent scenes that led to in Charlottesville. All schoolchildren in Australia are taught about Captain James Cook and his ship, the HMS Endeavour, discovering Australia and New Zealand opinions on how he's memorialised here in statue form were fairly uniform. But maybe we could add to it then and put something else that, to uh, honour the Aboriginal culture as well. And I think he's got a fair point. I wouldn't like to see the statue removed. Ultimately, the City of Sydney has responsibility for this statue. They say their Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander committee will examine any possible change which may then be put before the Council for a vote. Mi'kmaq Matter spoke with Linda Burney who in 2016 became the first Indigenous person ever elected to the Australian House of Representatives. Bernie says she recognises Cook's role in Australian history, and she's not asking for the statue to be removed. She says she's not even asking for the plaque to be removed, the one that says, discovered this territory 1770. She wants to add to it to tell the rest of the Australian story. I don't see any reason for the statue to come down or for the plaque to be removed. I, I do see a, a very strong... And there's many of these 
um, monuments around the country, of course, mm-hmm. uh, that there be that, that that there be an additional plaque added. Um, I think it's a it's one of the city of Sydney council um, uh, responsibilities to for the plaque to be um, updated to reflect the historical truth. My personal view is that you know he was obviously a very important historical figure in this country. Um, and um, uh, and that you can't pretend that that's not the case. Um, but uh, the thing is that for many generations we were taught, including me when I was at school, and I'm just 60 now, is that Captain Cook discovered Australia and it was all peaceful and um, uh, and basically Aboriginal people were written out of that story, which of course is not is not the case. Linda Burney. Back to Cornerbrook and the Bay of Islands. The statue at the historic site here is more culturally sensitive than the one in Sydney. It focuses on Cook's navigational achievements. In and of itself, no problem. The issue is that this is the national historic site in Cornerbrook, the definitive statement about the region's past. Ironically, it overlooks Crow Gulch, a largely indigenous community that was torn down in the early 1970s. A hard-scrabble, poverty-stricken place, to be sure. But it, too, is part of our history. And the way in which it's been written out of our consciousness is part of the shame of being Indian that marked that earlier time. The official address of the Cook Monument is Crow Hill Road. And on the other side of Cornerbrook, we have a sacred burial ground near the old gypsum plant where the remains of the descendants of many Mi'kmaq people lie in unmarked graves under tons of rubble and debris on the former Lundrigan's land. The area may even contain the remains of Jane Matthews and Ralph Brake, the Mi'kmaq woman and English settler who were the first to live in the area. So let's give Captain James Cook his historical due and leave him undisturbed upon Crow Hill. But let's make common cause with our indigenous friends in Australia seeking to fill the holes in the historical record. Move over, Captain Cook. Give us our due. And that's it for the show. Movie clips from Peter Yeldum's miniseries Captain James Cook, available on YouTube. News item from 7 News Sydney. Credits also to The Legacy of James Cook, The Story of the Bay of Islands by Brian J.S. Harley, and The Forgotten Bay by Stuart Harvey. Thanks to Allison Baker for assistance here in the studio. Celebration time used with the permission of Ligma artist Marcus Goss. Follow us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Mi'kmaq Matters. Listen to Mi'kmaq Matters on SoundCloud or iTunes. Tune in on Bay of Islands Radio, Thursday at 6 p.m. And in Norris Point and Rocky Harbor, listen on The Voice of Bond Bay, Tuesday at 2 p.m. I'm Glenn Wheeler. Till next time.